Welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Vasavi Kumar. If you're eager to gain clarity, speak with unwavering confidence, and liberate those inner voices, you're in the perfect spot. My mission here is to empower you to break free, find fulfillment, and ignite your passion. You ready? It's time to say it out loud. I've put together a guide of my top 10 tested and proven to work practical strategies and habits to help bright women like you say no, set your boundaries right, live confidently, and build healthy relationships, starting with the relationship you have with yourself. This is a self-paced guide, and I can't wait for you to dig into it so you can start becoming your most confident self because she's in there waiting for you. Head to the link in my show notes or go to vasavikumar.com forward slash guide and grab it today. Welcome back to another episode of the Say It Out Loud podcast. Oh my God, first of all, look at how beautiful this background is. If you're watching the video, look at how beautiful my guest, Dr. Nita Bhushan is. So I, uh, I'm not even going to try to act like I have any chill right now because I have zero chill. I have zero chill because... I get to sit here with you, talk to you about your brand new book, That Sucked, and Now What?, which is out for pre-order. Everyone can get their hands on it. I just, I'm so grateful that we have this opportunity, Nita, for us to sit down, for me to just talk to you about this book, Mm -hmm. That Sucked, Now What?, How to Embrace the Joy in Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. I think it's fair to say that this year has had its share of sucky moments. <laughs> like, I'd be lying if I was like, it's been fantastic. We've had our share of sucky moments, um, and I just want to acknowledge that, and I know that's the work that you do. You're helping people find the joy in their chaos, finding the joy in their sucky moments, and being able to take that and fly forward. So I first want to just start off with, you know, what inspired you to write this book? Mm. Yes. Mm. So I would probably start at motherhood. I feel like... I usually start all the way back, but I Mm -hmm. think, you know, it's so appropriate. Mm -hmm. We had a conversation before on your podcast Mm -hmm. as well, and this book was sparked by me entering kind of like, you know, that next dark night of the soul, Mm -hmm. which was not my divorce, Mm because we both have been through divorces before, Mm -hmm. that the divorce was like the first one, but the second one was really my entry into motherhood, Mm -hmm. and the foray into motherhood, and having and not not just going through the you know the woes of like postpartum depression Mm -hmm. because I definitely went through that but I didn't know I was in it when I was in what I call the suck Mm -hmm. like I I didn't know I was in the suck until I was actually out of it Mm. to then appreciate and say oh wow okay that period of time was Mm -hmm. definitely a really low period of time Mm -hmm. and that's what they meant when they said that that's postpartum depression that's what they meant when they said that there's this thing called like I had postpartum rage I have not shared this like really anywhere not even on my podcast but I've had postpartum anxiety I mean it was like a whole slew of emotions that I had to really reckon with manage and a lot of it was really stemmed from a lot of the emotions that I wasn't okay expressing Mm -hmm. either growing up Mm -hmm. because growing up you know the whole immigrant story immigrant Mm -hmm. all the things and you know my nature it's like overly like happy Mm -hmm. joyous extroverted extroverted, enthusiastic Mm -hmm. I mean I exude joy from my pores I get super excited but I feel like that's been who I've always 
had to be and and really whether it was performative because I had to you know do Hawaiian dancing Indian dancing Filipino dancing growing up or just getting the attention and the love and the validation from my parents after winning a piano competition or whatever competition spelling, the spelling bee the spelling, spelling bee I mean that's a South Indian yeah, yeah, thing yeah, that's <laughs> we, we the Punjabis never yeah, really yeah. did that. the South Indians yeah my sister definitely won national I did she not she did yeah, she did I mean she still has her yellow national spelling bee t-shirt from like way back in the day she rocks it dude it's a thing I really want to talk about the rage first of all I want to acknowledge you because okay so I don't have kids. Mm. I don't have children. Most of my friends do. My sister has two kids. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate about my sister is that she does share her rage around the kids, especially the younger one, Chetan, mm. who is similar to what I was like when I was a kid. He is the one that will scream at the top of his lungs. And my sister, you know, at first it was hard for me to hear her. I'm, I'm, I just need to say this out loud. And if my sister is listening, I'm sorry. When my sister would express some of her frustration around the younger one, I felt very triggered. And I was like, you're a mom. You shouldn't feel that way. I did say that. I did was like, I felt triggered because I felt like you should just accept him. Like you're his mother. And, you know, just being around all my friends who have kids um, and also learning to accept and express my own rage because rage is something for me I have suppressed or I try to package it. I really appreciate that you openly talk about the rage that you had, the postpartum rage. So can you share more about that rage? I think a lot of women, you know, especially with the patriarchy, we're not allowed to be angry because if we're angry, then we're labeled as crazy. We're crazy. We're the crazy bitch. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, something's really wrong, Mm -hmm. right? We're unstable. Unstable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard, oh gosh, yeah, all of these like terrible Mm -hmm. things. Why is there not a place for that anger, Mm -hmm. right? And I grew up so afraid of that anger and seeing that anger in other people that I would diminish, I would shut down. Mm-hmm. And I like it was it was just like a shock to my nervous system. Like it was like so dysregulating. So going into where I could no longer suppress that anger and rage mm-hmm. after having, you know, and in this was more so I, I remember it vividly with having Ari first. The second time it was minimized because mm-hmm. we had support. I had our therapist on call. Mm-hmm. We had all body workers on call, mm-hmm. all of the things. But the first time, you just don't know, and you're kind of like, whoa, like the oh, the wash of like these full emotions, and I'm reconciling feelings of like, you know, the loss of my mom as I'm into motherhood, mm-hmm. the, you know, the loss of the, the the beautiful water birth that I thought I was going to have that I totally didn't, because mm-hmm. my son ended up getting born in Compton, Compton the hospital. Well, <laughs> That's a whole story in and oh, of wow. itself. Straight out of Compton. So Ari's straight out of Compton. He's straight out of Compton. He really is. He really is. And, and that's a, I think that's, we can link it in the show notes for that episode um, that I go into that. But for me, it was the frustration and anger that I felt that I could not contribute and that I was not in control Mm -hmm. because I couldn't, I, I, I could not physically get up because obviously you just birthed out a baby. And I literally like... Um, because I was in labor for so long, I mean, days, my labor would start and stop and start and stop for a period of five days. Mm-hmm. We it's, Labor started on Monday. Ari didn't come out until Saturday of that week. Wow. Yes. Yes. And so my legs just felt like there was like a marathon, like an ultra marathon that mm-hmm. I had run. And so, and you're not obviously the 40 day thing, which mm-hmm. I was so against mm-hmm. in my very first birth. I was like, no way. 
Um, so there were so many conflicting emotions that kept coming up. And Ajit's parents was here for the first time to the U.S. from India. Mm-hmm. The very first time. So think about that because then my feelings of like being this good daughter, the good Indian daughter – trying to take care of them mm-hmm. when I could barely even take care of myself. So this this like overpouring of like me wanting to take care of everybody still started to come through instead of for me just saying, I can't do it anymore. Like just support me, right? I mm-hmm. couldn't allow, I wouldn't actually allow people to take care of me. Like I was so resistant to that. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it caused so much anger in me that I'm like, Oh, I just want to do it on my own. Like, I don't need your help. But it was me resisting mm-hmm. because for so many years in my life, I felt like the key to my worthiness, the key to me ex- being accepted, the key to belonging for me was how much I contributed to other people mm-hmm. and how much I added service mm-hmm. and love and value to others. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't doing that, then maybe I'm not worth it. So do you think your rage stemmed from a feeling, from a place of helplessness? Like you, like it was like, you know, your worth, your value has been tied to, and how many of y'all can relate to this? Your value and your worth is tied to how much you do, how much you give to others. And you were in a place where you had shit to give others, right? I mean, you just gave birth to this beautiful baby boy. And I'm also putting myself in your shoes and thinking what that must have been like for you to not have your parents there to help and Ajit's parents are there instead and what that brought up for you. So how did you, how did your rage manifest for you? Like, oh, how, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, what did yeah. that look like? I mean, there was, it was snapping at my mother-in-law. Wow. Oh yeah. You, you don't, Indian you, mother-in-law. You, wow, you got some balls. I wow. know. I know. You don't go there. <laughs> yeah. You don't go there. I mean, my bua, God bless her soul. She like, she was there too. Yeah. And she was there from Chicago with my uncle Glenn and they were there to support. But I was like slashing everyone and just like, it was coming in the form of mean comments, how, you know, they wanted, cause for the sitting for the 40 days and that's a very you know it, it's it's a global phenomenon of like women are supposed to be in bed lying horizontally mm-hmm. not moving your body's supposed to heal it's only what we do in the u.s of like go back to work three mm-hmm. days later look at me and the baby i look so cute you know all of these mm-hmm. backwards things that i was like yeah i don't need these old ancient rituals wow you know of, of ayurveda i'm not gonna do that like she's trying to make me wear a hat because we're preserving mm-hmm. like you know the vata mm-hmm. and and obviously now I run I have a you know Vedic company of Dharma yeah. Coaching Institute so it's like the complete uh it's a complete you know turn and during because in Ayurveda you know they believe that when you give birth to a baby and this is also in Chinese cultures even in Latin American cultures like basically there's so much space mm-hmm. and you're supposed to protect the body and keep it warm and have nourishing foods and I wanted my cold green juice mm-hmm. I wanted my you know all of my things my 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 bone broth and, and they're vegetarian like they do they're strict vegetarian yes. you know this yeah and I wanted my eggs mm-hmm. and she was there making me kitchery and dolls and rice and you know all of these nourishing foods that they've done for like centuries centuries as they take care of the new mother so that she can support her lactation and all of these things and I just thought I knew better like my ego was through the effing roof and I honestly couldn't control it I could not control 
the just how discombobulated I felt and the fact that I, I wasn't in control of like the amount of milk I was producing. So then I would hear, oh, you're not making enough milk from both my aunt and... Inadequate. You felt you're, inadequate. Fully, yeah. fully, okay, inadequate here because I can't have, you know, have enough milk. So they were like, let me give him more, let me give him formula. Mm-hmm. And it was just, for me, it was like a battle. It was like, mm-hmm. no, we're not going to do that. And poor Ari is like losing weight like mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. So who's suffering really at this expense of my ego? Mm-hmm. My son. And, uh, I mean, he, uh, th- things got really, like, it was just, and Ajit and I, we kept crying together going through all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a really, really up-leveling of who we needed to be as parents because this was a side of him that we did the work. We were doing all of the work. Mm-hmm. Like, we were so intentional about everything, even the birth process and everything, but nobody really prepared us for, like, the full just, like, overflow and 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 spill over of, like, all of these, you know, just big emotions mm-hmm. that were everywhere. And, you know, my, my – um, my father-in-law the Mm -hmm. sweetest man he's like a son he's such a sage and such a guru in his Mm -hmm. own right so stoic so calm he's a poet uh and he like I even like said things to him I mean I apologize now but it was like I like it was like my little rebellious teenager Mm -hmm. wanted to come up and stir a ruckus just to, I don't know, maybe, I mean, subconsciously it could have meant a lot of things. Like, are you still going to love me even if I'm this terrible to you? Or are you going to mm-hmm. leave? Wow. Like some of my other family members, they just died off. And this mm-hmm. was my reality at that time. So there was a lot of like, am I even worthy for this kind of love? So mm-hmm. let me self-sabotage these relationships mm-hmm. where I had to really catch myself in the heat of it and go, you know what? this is not cool. It's not cool how I am acting. It's not cool how I'm being. And and ask for help. And this was where we were like, you know, six weeks in the first time. Uh, and that's when I'm like, I, I need to talk to somebody because mm-hmm. this is like, I'm just spilling my anger over everywhere. And you're imploding and it's, and you're erupting. Oh, all the, so f- fully, fully. And, and, and they could choose like not to talk to mm-hmm. me again because mm-hmm. it was that, it was just so chaotic. Mm-hmm. And think about it, you know, the my, my, my boobs weren't making enough milk. So my kid's losing the weight. Mm-hmm. We realized he had a tongue tie. So it's like all of these things happen. And I'm a dentist too. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I should have known that. Why didn't I know that? And then for me, it's like, you know, just just this inner rebellion, like, of this teenager coming out to, like, uh, get angry at everybody because it wasn't in this perfect vision of what I had imagined <laughs> postpartum mm-hmm. and having my first kid would look like. And it was a lot to reconcile. It was a lot to catch, to integrate, and even accept that, like, okay, this is where you're at. So here on the Say It Out Loud podcast, you know, I I say this over and over again, that every single part of us has a voice and it needs to be expressed. I've openly shared on the podcast about my issues with rage. I was arrested for assault in 2017 because I was coming down from a bunch of stuff. And um, 
I did some things that I'm not proud of. I got help. I had to go through anger management. And one of the questions that we did in group therapy was if your rage. So I remember one of the counselors asked me, which was very humbling because here I am a licensed therapist and I was in group therapy needing the help. Listen, we're the most toxic. Okay. I'm just straight up toxic therapist right here. You know, we need the most help. That's why we go into professions where we help other people. But I remember one of the counselors asked me, Vasavi, if your rage uh, had a voice, what would it say? Because I only knew my rage to what it felt like. You know, it was just like pulsating anger. Like I literally, I, all I see is red and I just black out sometimes. Mm. And so she was like, if your rage had a voice, what would it say out loud? I remember she said that. And it was just, my rage has always, the voice now is like, someone please just listen to me. My thing Mm. is being listened to. I don't really need to be seen. Actually. I want to be listened to. I don't need you to witness. I don't need you to see me. I need you to listen to me. Like, I give a shit what I have to say. So I'm curious to know if you, if your rage had a voice, Mm. what did it need to say during that time? Oh gosh, what a good question. I think for me, what's coming up is like, I, I need you to see me. As a teenager, like, yeah, that was something as as a teenager. Did you not feel seen? No, because I had to take care of everybody else. I mean, at 16, like I lost my mom at 17. I lost my brother. Like, 19 I lost my dad like where was my like inner teenager it was it was suppressed it was like all right we're gonna do this let's go let's get the accolades the achievement the awards the success in academics Mm because that's kind of the legacy and the, the little inner voice that was in my head for all of those years of like okay, what can I do? I can't, I, there's no place for my sadness because what I was told when I was little and when I was, we were going through the the messiness and the chaos and the hardships of, of, you know, watching my mom in her just, you know, succumb to her breast cancer and then losing my brother a year later to an asthma attack. These were really pivotal times and, for my dad, all he could say to make peace with it, probably in his own mind, was we have to stay strong, stay tough. This is what resilience is. This is what we are, right? We are the Bushans. Mm-hmm. We don't break, right? Wow. We don't break. Let's take a quick break. Having been in therapy since the age of 12, I know firsthand just how powerful the process of finding the right therapist is. Going to therapy and talking things out with my therapist has made me happier, clearer, and most importantly, I have a plan for my mental health. I have tools to be able to communicate with others and also the tools to cope when life gets hard, which it does. So let me ask you a question. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, Therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get 
get matched with the therapist. There's a link in my description. It's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Vasavi. That's BetterHelp dot com forward slash Vasavi. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with the therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, if you don't really fit with that therapist, which is a common thing with therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing out about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. I don't know where I would be without the help of therapy and my therapist, but I do know that life would feel that much harder. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this podcast. Wow. But meanwhile, when you were pregnant and you were raging, like all you wanted to do was break, right? I wanted to break everything. I was breaking. I was trying to break all the relationships in my life. Yeah. Right? And, and, but can we actually safely have a, a safe place for that and be in that safety of somebody else and I feel like you know thank God for my partner Mm -hmm, Ajit mm -hmm. you know like for him to be so supportive and so just open and like all right love you gotta scream you gotta scream you want to punch like let let's go like let's like get it out there Mm -hmm. so that this is not Mm -hmm. in your body because yeah it was was it affecting my my milk production for sure, that mm-hmm. stress, that anxiety, was it affecting my energy when I was holding my baby? Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. and 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 that, I, yeah, I did not have a place for this as a teenager at all. So naturally, during you know the the most pivotal time where I needed to be a mom mm-hmm. to my baby and witnessing the elders in front of me that I hadn't really been around elders you became the elder in a way I was the elder yeah I've been the matriarch I mean and that's that's who I am in my community and like how Mm -hmm. I show up for everybody and you know for for that time in my life I'm like I couldn't hold anymore I'm like I'm I'm done Mm -hmm. I'm done but I didn't know how to say hey help me Mm -hmm. so instead I said I was Mm self-sabotaging you know like it's like that teenager that throws stuff against the wall and like gets really angry and mad but all they want is like somebody to like come over to them and say I see you Mm -hmm. and it's okay it's gonna be okay and many times I just needed to say it to myself so in those moments, thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of women, whether you're a mom or not, we do not allow ourselves to say that sucked. Why do you think, and I know you talk about this in the book, but in, yeah. in your opinion, you know, having written this book, why do you think it's so hard, especially for us women to just say that sucked? Like even say, even, and I, I'm going to share this personally, even as I say it, that sucked. It feels so I've been called aggressive my whole life, my mm. whole life. Every guy I've ever been with, Oh, you're from New York. You're so aggressive. And I'm like, Am I aggressive or am I just being honest, right? And I, I feel that charge even when I say that sucked, like I'm doing something wrong by even saying that out loud. Like you should just suck it up. Don't say that stuff. You should just suck it up, right? So why do you think Why do you think it's so, I know why it was hard for you, but in just general, just doing the work that you've done for so many years and helping so many people, why do you think it's so difficult for women to just admit it first and say it out loud? This mm-hmm. sucks or that sucked. Yeah. First of all, I don't think we've been given the tools, Mm -hmm. okay? And society does not allow us to, you know, not be, you know, when we're we're stating something, when we're acknowledging 
okay, that sucked. We don't even know how to accept the reality of what that actually even means. Mm -hmm. That's giving yourself a mantra. That's giving yourself permission to feel. Mm -hmm. We're not giving ourselves permission to Mm -hmm. feel. Because what? We want to avoid, bury, shove it under a rug, and move on. Mm -hmm. And move on super quick. Mm -hmm. Or... We are afraid that we might get stuck in the suck. Mm. If we do say, wow, that really sucked. So the first part is, is we don't want to get vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be seen. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to allow, God forbid, anybody sees us in this way because we'll probably be judged or they're not going to like what they see or we'll be named or whatever. And we're not given that safe space to express and we don't even know how. So in the book, I actually take you through yes, the em- tools. The tools. Will, yeah. yeah, the emotional release practice and an embodiment practice of like, okay, the first thing, and, and it's even in my, even in the workbook. So I just want a little, little interruption. So yeah. when you buy the book, there are a few bonuses. Um, you not only get the book, but you also get this accompanying workbook. Who doesn't love a good workbook? You can act, I mean, for those of you who love to write, this is awesome. And then you also. Well, you get the five-day five healing day. practice. Okay. The five-day healing mm-hmm. practice where we start first with healing your most precious commodity, which is our relationships. Mm-hmm. So whether you think your relationships are great now or maybe you're looking, you're, you're wondering why you're having triggers come up or things happen and breakdowns happen in either your friendships or maybe you're with your siblings or your family. I have a whole healing practice on just day one is just healing your relationships. Day two is all about why many times we leak our energy everywhere and then we figure out we don't have any more energy for us Mm -hmm. to do the things that we want. So day two is all about our optimal energy and vitality. Day three is all about our abundance, mm-hmm. what we're desiring, what we're calling into our life. And day four is the brave action steps. Like mm-hmm. how are we going to move through the sucky moments when they actually do happen? And day five is like, okay, coming back to ourself, how often are we going to come back and, and bring it all back home? Because it starts and it ends with us always. Mm-hmm. And and you you have these here and I would love for you to pick a card too at some point. Yes, we're going to do that today. Yes, perfect. Yes, so episode. so these, we have our affirmation cards after sucky moments. And many times we don't have guidance, right? We, we lose our job. We didn't get the gig that we wanted to and we pitched for it. We shared our truth to somebody and they misinterpreted that Mm -hmm. we we were misunderstood something bad happened we got the medical diagnosis we didn't want you know the list goes on bad breakup divorce cheated on these are the affirmation cards for how to take action after the sucky moment there's 52 of them and I also have affirmation uh conversation cards i love these can we yeah 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 go for it let's let's do it let's do a conversation card listen I need, I, I would love, I love doing these because when I, you know, whether I'm dating someone, well, who am I kidding? I'm not dating anyone, but I would love to when I'm dating someone. You do conversation cards. Thank you so much. And, you know, with friends, like this helps us get deeper and get to know each other. So we're going to actually do this. We're going to just do, can I, do I shuffle these? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So they're, 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 they are broken up into four categories. Great. Because there's four parts to your bounce factor. Mm-hmm. Your bounce factor is your ability to bounce. after the sucky moments Mm -hmm. not glass that shatters because if we take a glass and we let it go guess what it's going to shatter everywhere Mm -hmm. but if we have a ball and if you think about the latin term if we're just going into you know word etymology the latin term for resilience is resilier which means to bounce 
that wow. it literally means to bounce. So if we actually take a ball, and you know, I've got kids, so basketball or whatnot, if you take it and you, you start squeezing it, it is not tough like granite. It's not tough like glass. There is a little bit of give to it. Buoyancy. There's a little bit of that buoyancy, that mm -hmm. softness. Mm -hmm. And that softness is really important because when you let it go, it's tough, but it's also got that give. It's also got that agility to move and flex and be flexible. It doesn't just stiffen up and break. I really love that you said the softness, and I honestly cannot wait to pull one of these cards to so just sit tight for a sec, because when you said softness, I think about my moments of rage and what I needed the most. I needed softness. Yeah. When I was in my rage, I would be even angrier with myself because I was experiencing the rage. You shouldn't be feeling this way. And in those moments, what I actually just needed was softness. So what a beautiful connection. We can actually bounce back and become resilient, you know, as we move through our emotions through softness, like being soft with ourselves like being soft with ourselves and even so if you think about it even in a relationship where maybe one of you is easier to express your pain mm -hmm. or your anger and the other one is maybe not as okay mm -hmm. in expressing and this could be in a friendship in a relationship but what happens to either one when somebody exposes their rage and anger can you be okay and be soft so mm -hmm. that it, you know, if, if you get two people heated up in a conversation, that's never going to work, no. right? But what if one person catches that and one person becomes that ball and that softness so that the other person can just lean into mm -hmm. and, and add that flow and add that agility and the bounciness so that they're not just colliding into each other. And so that's, uh, that's the, so this is the, the, the four parts to your bounce factor. And the questions are uh, developed in the four different parts. So first we have the upbringing, okay. the upbringing cards. Mm -hmm. So everything about your upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. Then we have your current environment. Right. And this is like just for fun, how you're exposing yourself. Mm -hmm. The third is your emotional capacity. And then the fourth is your awareness. Okay, right. so I'm just going to pull a card. And I love this. And I honestly feel like dinners and parties would be so much fun if we just had these. So I'm going to ask you. I'm just picking anyone, okay? So yeah. Let me ask you this. Ooh, what's a pet peeve you've... What's a pet peeve you used to have that you've learned to accept? Mm. Uh, the biggest one that's coming up for me now is uh, like punctuality punctuality oh. <laughs> that was a big thing that I couldn't hold when other people were late yeah but ever since I got into motherhood I'm like sorry love I'm in traffic <laughs> can't and hold it so you've become softer with yourself with that oh with myself mm -hmm. and even for those who are so adamant about punctuality and being mm -hmm. on time for me I'm like okay well while I do respect that, if that's a value that they have, mm -hmm. for me, it's also like, okay, well, I, I can't do anything about it now. I, I'm a mama of two. Mm -hmm. And 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 say la vie. Sometimes you are going to be late and that's... And you got to pick your battles. And you got to pick your battles, yeah. So, okay, hold on. I'm going to ask you another question. Can I ask you another yeah. one? Yeah. Okay, your current environment. Um, what's... Oh, I love this. What's something you wish everyone knew about you but find it hard to share? I did not... I swear I did not plan this, but this just happens to be the Say It Out Loud podcast. So I think it would be really awesome to hear this. What's something you wish everyone knew about you, but you find it hard to share? Mm. That I love stand-up comedy. 
Yeah. Like, do you want to? Do you want to perform stand up? Is that something that you want? That's do? an edge. That's like a growth edge. I did it once, but I don't know if I would. That would be a big edge to actually do, like mm-hmm. a full set but the idea of that sounds like all right I'm up for a challenge I don't want to be a stand-up comic that's yes. like not in yeah. my lifetime I don't think not in this one uh not at not at this stage but I think to lean more like I think I'm funny You're and very funny yeah well thank you yeah uh <laughs> yeah I feel like most people don't really know that about me I I have the, the of privi- my humor. Yeah. yeah, I have the privilege of knowing Nita behind closed doors and she's one of the funniest people I know. She's one of the realest people I know. I feel like, you know, just you got to have those conversations with people where it's not always so fucking woke. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Not everything needs to be conscious all the time. Sometimes you got to just be in your humanity. You don't always like my father always used to say, take the high road. Right. And that for me is just another way of bypassing. Because I can take the high road. I know how to take the high road. But in order for me to take the high road and not feel resentful, I need to be able to have those human conversations and say, that sucked. Yeah. This person treated me like shit. I don't appreciate it. So I love about you one thing that, you know, people don't know about you, but now you know that you're very funny and you have Mm -hmm. excellent timing. And delivery you. and you she does this in social social I'm, we're supposed to be promoting her book but you got to know the author behind the book that's really what makes the book so amazing because now you get to know the person we'll be at parties right and we'll be in a circle and Nita will just come in she'll just mosey on in she'll just join the conversation and she'll just find a way to like say something funny and she's just non-stop she's like an energizer bunny and it's just so funny and then she'll be like all right bye and she'll leave and it's great because like we're laughing non-stop and she's like comes and does her thing and then she leaves I wish more people saw that side of you mm. yeah because it, it brings it's a lot it's very joyful and it's very in the moment and it's very sparkly well and here's why I love that is because so much of what I talk about <laughs> yeah. is like my story is heavy yeah. it's so <laughs> complex it's, it's, it's heavy like, it's heavy it's like it, I probably should be doing stand-up yeah. to like alchemize it alchemize yeah. all of that well that hey I said it out loud on the say it out loud podcast so, yeah so maybe I'll come back what I'm doing and I just want to say just because you know you don't have to make it a career you know I'm gonna I'm gonna keep nudging her about this but you don't have to make it a whole career but I think it would be really powerful having Having written this book, I'm going to push you a little bit to like take everything and then actually create a five minute set around it and make so much fun of your life and make fun of the, your pain. Like, you know, Kevin Hart always says, laugh at my pain. Like, it's it's beautiful, though. So true. I mean, I got so inspired by Tiffany Haddish because she's just yes. like, you know, it's just, it's- her black unicorn. Oh, my gosh. I, it's And that was inspiring for me. It's like, oh, yeah, I love the way they do that. And the other thing about building resilience that I also have in the book, of course, mm-hmm. is like, yeah, you could take a stand-up class, a stand-up comedy class, an improv class to get out of your shell. Mm-hmm. But the best thing that we could do, and I wish more people did this, mm-hmm. is make fun of yourself. Yes. The, de- the self-deprecation is actually a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that helps us normalize that, hey, all right, we're not going to always mm-hmm. be good. And we're not going to be perfect at everything. And we're going to falter. And we're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And that's actually OK. Being able to laugh at yourself doesn't actually mean that you're bypassing it. You're, you're actually still acknowledging it. But you're taking that pain energy and you're turning it into laughter. That doesn't mean, and to enjoy, and that doesn't mean that the pain doesn't still suck. 
Right. So can you speak to that, like how you and Ajit and even in your own home and the tools that you've shared, how even when you, y'all still have sucky moments, right? Yeah. With, I'm sure within your marriage, with the kids, I mean, you have a, you have a daughter now and that bringing, is going to have its own challenges. I couldn't even say that out loud. My, my words were stumbling. How do you guys use joy in your own everyday life to deal with sucky moments? Mm, yes. So one of the concepts in the book I have is called Fly Forward. And mm. Fly Forward is all about like all of the actionable steps, all of the tools and there's five different stages because when we go through a suck we have probably a fall of mm -hmm. some sort I call it a fall could be literally figuratively medical diagnosis something mm -hmm. but then we're like we're, we're ignited and we're like ignited on the plan of like do we stay or do we go do we say I quit or do we say uh, give me a raise, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Or do we say, all right, I'm, I'm in this with you. Like, let's build a better bridge. And then we get into this rising, this rising stage. And this rising stage is juicy. And why? Because either we're leaning into the suck, mm -hmm. okay? And we're leaning into the discomfort. Mm -hmm. We're leaning into all of those feelings that we are, like the uncertainty of what can happen. But we're also actually figuring out what that and how that feels like for ourselves. Mm -hmm which then gets us into magnifying and magnifying. Okay, in this stage, it's all about bringing on things that light you up. And mm -hmm. for me and in our house currently right now, we're all about like playing music. Mm -hmm. My daughter is very, very much into music of any kind. I mean, I'm trying to potty train her right now. <sighs> so this is, this is like silly, but you know, I like created a jam. It was like, you know, I love poo poo in the potty. And she's just like, and she'll like get into it. <laughs> you got to hear me do this with her because she's just like, yeah. And then she's like getting into it. But I'm out of my suck if I had a long day. Yeah. She's out of her screaming mode because she's now enjoying like feeling her feels mm -hmm. and sometimes it's uncontrollable. Ari stops and he's like jamming and he's like dancing to it too. He's he's body trained and already. And promoting healthy digestion <laughs> and excavation. <laughs> yeah, excavation. Like everyone knows it's good to poop. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah stay you know, regular. I mean, stay regular. hey, there yeah. you go. Hashtag. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Ajit, so that's an immediate mood booster. You know, the other thing that we do and, and it's one of the practices in the book it's our embodiment practice so when we're having a really big day we'll put on a song but the first thing we have to do is well we we bring up the suck so we mm -hmm. have to embrace the suck which means okay anchor it say it out loud mm -hmm. say it I am feeling stressed out I am feeling overwhelmed I am feeling you know um depleted o overwhelmed right yeah, yeah. yeah so then and then you want to notice like where are you feeling it in your body mm -hmm. and you know many times for many of us if it's like overwhelm or stress a lot of times we'll feel it in our gut sometimes we'll feel it in our chest but maybe you want to put your hand over your heart mm -hmm. because when we're putting our hand over heart, our heart, we're actually signaling the rest and digest, right? We're not like fight, flight, or freeze, right? The, the, the primal monkey brain of ours. But we're actually catching ourselves to say, okay, I got this. Let's regulate our nervous system. Let's calm our nervous system down if we can. And so when you've felt it in your body, then maybe you want to move the sock. Because most of the time, most of us, what, what we do, we're like oh man, we got that bad email, something happened, and you're sitting at your desk, and then you pick up your phone, 
and then you're just scrolling to numb the pain. Mm -hmm. What have you done with the energetics of your body? Well, that emotion is stuck somewhere. Mm -hmm. So move it out. Go outside. Do some burpees. Mm -hmm. Do some squats. Jump up and down. What we do is... You know, sound is everything. Mm -hmm. So we'll play a song. I have, you know, now I've created so many little playlists on whether it's rage music. And with my kids, obviously, I don't really play rage, but I'll play like dinosaur dance. Mm -hmm. Literally, I did this like on stage with like 500 people. And it's literally a ridiculous song. It's called Dino Boots and Cats Dinosaur Dance. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like, all right, dance like a dinosaur, move like a dinosaur. And why are we we're giving ourselves permission to move and shake and feel and flail our arms because it allows us to get back into that childlike state of ours where nobody's watching, nobody's judging, but this is like a full emotional release practice. What are we doing? We're moving that energy out and up and we're releasing it. And then I then basically there's a whole transformation, mm -hmm. transformation of the suck, mm -hmm. which we then open our vagus nerve. Well, our vagus nerve is connected to rest and digest. Mm -hmm. So that can look like belly laughing. Mm -hmm. So we're belly laughing because if you're playing a ridiculous song, it's hard not to laugh. Yes. So then you're belly laughing for a little bit. Could be 10 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever floats your boat. But then you bring it back into your breath. Because when we bring it back into our breath and when we're, you know, chanting or when we're singing or when we're humming, these are all things that you can do, you're actually also calming your nervous system mm -hmm. and you're tuning to that vibration in your throat. So whether it's mmm, mm. uh, or the biggest one, om, right, mm -hmm. which we of course grew mm -hmm. up with and I know you have a mantra that you usually do. Mm -hmm. And so, and we're just integrating that breath. So it could be a breath of three, but then on the release, you're you're humming it out or you're, what I do with my kids, I buzz it out because it's easier to buzz. It's fun for them too probably. And it's so fun, yeah. but then it's fun for you too. Yeah. And then guess what? And you can do this if you don't have kids. Please do it. And there you go. There's your, there's your practice, your emotional release practice. You've just released, moved, anchored the suck, mm -hmm. and now you can go about your day. You know what I love about all these tools, and I know you said this a few minutes ago that you know people are afraid to admit when things suck because they're afraid they're going to get stuck in it. Yeah. And your process can actually expedite it, right? Um, Lisa Nichols, who was my first mentor, she always used to talk about her bounce back muscle, which is resilience, right? Like when you first start lifting weights, you're not that strong. You do it enough, and then you're able to do more and more sets, more weight. I don't know. I'm, I'm clearly yeah. not a bodybuilder. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what I'm saying, but I, I think I know what I'm saying. But you know what I mean. It's really about the more you do it, the more you go through your five-step process, the quicker it is to bounce back. Because here's the thing at the end of the day, there's tons of external circumstances. People are going to piss us off. We're yeah. going to get triggered. Are we really going to get stuck in every single trigger, right? Because that's what stops people from really just moving forward and, and living their dreams, living their purposes. This happened. This happened. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. And your book has given, literally mapped out how to bounce back because shit's going to happen. New level, new devil. It's not going to just all of a sudden go away when you get here. You're going to get here. More stuff is going to happen. More yeah. stuff is going to suck. So you're giving people a process to bounce back. Yeah. To bounce back and fly forward. And I just feel like, you know, we ha we were not taught this. We were no. not taught to be like, it's okay, honey, to scream your head off. Just feel free to go ahead and do that. Or if you were crying, stop crying. My father, even to this day, I love him. So 
he's just an old man at this point. And he's, when I cry, he goes, stop crying. I'm going to cry. But he said that to me when I was a kid. So I was like, oh, I can't cry because daddy's going to be sad. Mm -hmm. So what do I do with all those emotions, right? Thank God for tools and beautiful books like that suck. Now what? Because we have ways and we have permission to feel those feelings, right? And so I honestly feel, and I, I know you don't actually say this, but like this is really great for someone who is struggling with expressing those emotions. You know, we talk about emotional perfectionism. Oh, yeah. I'd love for you to speak on emotional perfectionism. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, my coping me- mechanism growing up was being toxically positive. And, and that's what it was. And, and I didn't know this term obviously existed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until much, much later. Yeah. Yet the the term toxic positivity, it stems from the whole idea of, oh, we have to be happy all the time. And for me, knowing what you know about, you know, my whole backstory, that it, I, yeah, I didn't want anybody to feel bad for us. Like, we were the Bushins. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I'm going to be overly uh, excited. And I mean, that's who I am as, as, a, as a core, right? Because I've seen the gravity of, of what all of that darkness can do on the, on the, on the backside of things. Mm-hmm. But also, like... Yeah, because that, that was my survival mechanism. Like, if I didn't have that, what, what was my purpose going to be at that time of my life? It served me really well. And yeah, when it was time to heal and go back and, and, and really make peace with the emotions that I wasn't feeling, mm-hmm. then that part no longer served and I had to move on and, and up-level my skills. And with this emotional perfectionism, you know, it's even deeper with that because with emotional perfectionism, perfectionism Mm -hmm. it's basically when we're supposed to be like perfect you know and and as a recovering perfectionist you know perfect in our emotions means oh I've got it all put together I'm 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 totally okay because you know it reminds me of and I love all the Brits out there Mm -hmm. but when you go to London and you know it's like having tea you're you're just you know you think of somebody that's so polished and so posh and and, and everything is perfect and, and okay, but you're like, what are they hiding beneath the veneer? She takes a Valium every night, doesn't she? <laughs> you're She's like, a bottle of wine, popping some Valium <laughs> every single night. We know she is. We know she is. Well, and, and you know, it's just the culture is just a little bit more reserved and, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you're not supposed to show face. And I know I have a lot of clients and students from the UK, and I'm giving this as an example, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Yet that's kind of the example, mm-hmm. like, of emotional perfectionism that we're not you know we're supposed to be as women prim and proper and poised and we're not supposed to show our the fact that we're disheveled as a mom or that we we are struggling like I remember my great aunt Mama Chi who's like the matriarch of my uh, of my mom's side and my mom's aunt my, my grandmother's sister we were so so close and when I wrote my story around and started to give talks around my divorce she would be like, why are you telling people that? Like, they're not supposed to know. Mm. Keep that to yourself. You know, that's, that's just a secret. And so, so much so that she didn't read my first book. You know, now she's passed on. But, you know, I remember that really hurting me. But I didn't take it personally because I knew that that's what she grew up as. Mm-hmm. Like, she, my whole lineage on my mom's side, they were all pageant queens. Mm-hmm. So this emotional perfectionism was huge. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to express outside the normal range of looking beautiful, feeling beautiful, exuding confidence, mm-hmm. and looking pretty, right? That was a thing. And wow. that's a lot of pressure to hold up to, you know? 
it's just that you know some emotions are okay to show and some aren't I know in my family growing up success and everything's great and I you know I'm so grateful for my sister because she is one person that I can go to she is calm all the time and so I can tell her anything and I can share any emotion with her but like I, you know, for me growing up, I would always say to my parents, oh, yeah, don't worry about me. I'm good. Meanwhile, I'd be suffering on the inside because I didn't want to be a source of concern for anyone. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. Look at me. Look at my grades. Look at this. Look at how much money I have. Look at this. I'm good. And meanwhile, like you're dying on the inside. Yeah. Emotional perfectionism. I would love to hear from you because I know many of the wonderful listeners of my podcast they have things that they want to say out loud they have books that they want to put out there they want to start their own podcast or maybe they already do um how is this writing this book because you know we have so many different iterations i'm in the last i'm in the last iteration as of today i have to submit it on monday and that's it i can't look at it anymore so i'm like oh god so how did this process change you as a person yeah yeah writing this book huge because Mm -hmm. the you know this is This is my fourth book, but Mm -hmm. it's my very, very, very first book with a publisher. Okay. And I... And with kids, correct? And with... uh, yes, with kids. Wow. With with kids. With with both kids, yes. This is your first book as a... Written as you were a mom. A mom of two. Yeah, Yeah, a mom mom of two. The the one with... uh, Actually, the one with Ari, the business book of coaching, we wrote for eight days while we were in Bali, and Ari was only... He was like five months old. Okay. So, so different. Mm-hmm. So different. He was still a baby. It was, you know, and, and we had eight days and we had, it was just a whole, mm-hmm. a, a writing retreat that Ajit and I were, were on with, with him and with a, a bunch of support there too. Yeah, this was very different because this I wrote, <laughs> I mean, I sold this book to Hay House two days after I gave birth to Isla. I was still in, you know, the hospital. So, Isla and and that suck now what literally they were both babies kind of sort of you know my book baby all all at the same time and this was very healing you got like my raw real emotions I mean I started writing like physically like putting the book into paper Mm -hmm. after the two months that I took off um you know for my mat leave and it was it was interesting because at every stage of her development, I then shed light on a new iteration of the book. Mm-hmm. And I remember going away last year for four days uh, in December. And Ajit and I usually have this process where we go away. We've been doing this for six years. I've been doing it literally now for probably nine years, if not ten. Um, and, you know, just this kind of deep dive on how the year went mm-hmm. and – and it's our own, you know, retreat and it's our own process. But we went away last year when I was f- kind of the same the same thing that you're doing. The book needed to be due by mm-hmm. that Monday. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be like that was just the manuscript needed to be done. And I wanted to sit with this like huge manuscript, you know, all the paper, all mm-hmm. the things that you had. And, and I knew from my very first uh, book that I had written in 2016, I knew that energetically was already going to feel different mm-hmm. because... I was okay with that I'm I may not be sharing all of the things because I know that I might have a few more books in me mm-hmm. whereas with my very first book I'm like oh my gosh but this isn't in it and and you know then I went into like my full perfectionist mode mm-hmm. it didn't come up as much I would lie to you and say 
it didn't come up at all Mm -hmm. but it definitely did and when you know perfection Nita showed up I had to kind of rear her and encourage Mm -hmm. her and acknowledge her and assure her that like this is perfect for where people are at and who needs to hear it right now Mm -hmm. and that is the biggest shift for me because I know if I kept doing that to myself then I would never be okay and this book would never be good enough but I know that like nope this is I feel complete I feel complete and this time I got I got help I got help because I knew that like if I was going to put the best book out there for the world while I'm also nursing and going through you know the new mom mode of me as a mama of two and then like holding all I do in in my businesses, which is a lot. I knew I needed to get the team of folks who would help me Mm -hmm. really distill my thoughts because this time I actually orated a lot of the book Mm. and I was getting interviewed like every week so that my writer and my editor would also take that and distill that into concepts so that last year during four days I was able to go through all of those notes go through all of the things that were written Mm -hmm. and see okay how else can I support this what was I actually thinking about and that was such a cathartic and healing process in and of itself I'd love to circle back to one of the very first things that we spoke about which is your relationship to rage right so what was (laughs) your relationship to rage before no as you began writing this book and what is your relationship to rage now Hmm. wow I think that before you know while while the relationship to rage began this journey of this book I would judge myself I would judge myself and I was not kind to myself Mm -hmm. around what I was literally going through and, and allowing myself to fully express in that way. There was still that judgment there. Well, what did your judgy voice sound like anytime you were enraged? enraged? Oh, yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Like, get it together? Yeah, yeah. get it, get together. it together. Like, you're crazy. Like, mm-hmm. stop. Stop acting like a little girl, right? Because, okay, that's, yeah, my, this is my little inner teenager. And now you know after the book was turned in you know at December 31st of last year crazy enough you know it felt at peace Mm -hmm. like and and that this is what I talk about in the book it's the duality of both feelings the duality that your rage can coexist when you can still feel the slivers of joy Mm -hmm. through the chaotic moments that maybe you can still feel that curiosity and also hold that grief as well Uh, And they can both coexist. And there's parts of us that are uh, present, you know, at all at all places. And if you're uh, if you're listening to this or watching this, if you're watching this, I'm kind of like, you know, pointing to different aspects of myself because we hold different aspects of Mm ourselves: the rage, the anger, the overwhelm, the sadness, the joy, the enthusiasm, the fun, the sensual, the playful, Mm -hmm. the funny. It all exists in all of us, right? But most of the time, there's one leading character that leads. Man, yeah. 
And for me, it's it's the joy, right? Yeah. It's the joy. And now, which is why I'm so all about like lessening the the burden and, and having more realness and being okay with my passion because I'm generally a passionate person when I'm speaking about something that I truly love, allowing that to come out, not just on stage, but even when I'm having a conversation here with you or anywhere, you know, people can interpret it and make a story out of their head. But I know in my mind, I'm I'm sharing it with with clarity and and, and love Mm -hmm. and passion and so now it's the it's the full integration of the duality of all of those feelings combined. Okay, I heard something I want to make sure I understood and I'm going to repeat it back. So it sounds like the rage before it was like you just kind of, you know, you shamed it, you judged it. And yeah. now that you've learned to be kinder to it and accept it, that rage, what it really, how it's kind of alchemized is like your passion and that bigness. Like when you're excited about something, you don't have to just be, you know, performative on stage. You get to share that joy and it may seem big and it may intimidate some people. It does. Yeah. You know, it does. Yeah. Like I was on, I was on Emily Williams podcast today. We cried. I mean, I said, I'll probably have a little bit of black underneath. We cried and she asked me a question and she was, she, she gave me a beautiful compliment. She's like, you're so magnetic. And I was like, I know. And I was like, I can't believe I just did that. That seems so arrogant. And I was like, no, it's not. Why can't we feel ourselves? Why can't we be like, yes. Like, so that's what I hear in you. It's like, you are someone who uh, leads with that energy, but maybe because there was these parts of yourself, like your rage, for example, just one of those parts, you weren't giving that permission where you're not giving permission to one area. You're not going to give yourself permission in another. So where you're stifling your rage, you're stifling your joy. When you allow your rage, then you, when you walk into a room, you are magnetic, you are big, and you're not going to be afraid of people judging that because you've done the internal work of accepting these other parts of you. Absolutely. You get what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. That's what I heard in what you said. Absolutely. It's an alchemy. It's, it's, you know, it's the transformation Mm -hmm. and we're putting all of the parts of ourselves in a little like you know cauldron Mm -hmm. and we're mixing it up and it's and it's beautiful but I love that yeah this is this is the transformation of the of the rage that it can actually look like the bigness that I you know that I experience and want to call more into Mm -hmm. in this next evolution of myself so yeah, I, I want to say this. Everyone who is, you know, I want I want everyone to get this book, and this is who I feel personally that this is for. I think this book is for people who experience feelings very deeply and in a big way. And sometimes you really don't know how to say it out loud. You don't know how to express it, and you haven't given yourself permission to acknowledge your sucky moments. And when you give yourself that permission, you then unlock these other parts of you that are just waiting to be expressed, right? But if you do not acknowledge what has sucked and and honor those parts of yourself, you won't really be able to access these other parts of you, right? Because these other parts are going to be afraid to come out, right? Because you've shunned one area. We are a whole ass being. We are a whole person. Where you shun yourself in one area, that's going to affect other areas. So when you experience and allow yourself to feel your rage, guess what? You're no longer afraid of your rage. And then guess what happens when you're not afraid of your rage and expressing it? Then you're not going to be afraid to show your joy, walk into a room and be like, boom, here I am. I'm not a Leo, but I dated a Leo. So that's what I, you don't have any Leo in you, right? I don't, but I, I, I often, like everybody in my family has been Leos. My dad was a Leo. Wow. My aunt was a Leo. My cousin's a Leo. Uh, some of my best friends are Leos. So yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I Leo went, energy. Yeah, Leo energy. It's just I, and you know, I, I love my Leos. Uh, when you, I feel in, like you might have some Leo in you. I do not have Leo in me, but I always seem to be attracted to Leo men. Okay, okay. I, yeah. I, so <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Yes, I'm Taurus Sun, Aries Moon, Sag Rising. But oh, I, Aries. yes, you, this is we talk about this and say it out loud. We're talking about it here on the podcast in this book. Like you have to acknowledge those triggers. You have to acknowledge those sucky moments. Be kind to yourself, and then what? What happens after that? This mm. is this is kind of like the the now what? Like what's what's next for you now that you've acknowledged and you continue to acknowledge your sucky moments? Now what? What's yeah, next? Yeah, I mean we we get to fly forward. We get to fly forward in the areas of our life that is that feels in alignment, that makes us feel alive, mm-hmm. that we can be so unapologetic in calling in whatever that next chapter is for us or the next level of our desires and how we want to show up in the world without worrying mm-hmm. without thinking or judging ourselves for that and how amazing is it that we get to do that mm-hmm. when we are fully uh, accepting of all of our flaws and all of the sucky moments and integrating a lot of the parts of ourselves that maybe we mm-hmm. have avoided for years decades and we get to put it together back together in a in a beautiful way Okay, so where can everyone... So when is the actual release date for this book? January 31st. Okay, it's going to be beautiful. Okay, but I have all of these amazing bonuses. Yes, let's, let's, let's talk and, about them. And, and, you know, for the holidays, we actually even have our shop open mm-hmm. for the affirmation cards and the mm-hmm. conversation cards. So it's thatsuckednowwhat.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to pre-order the books and you get the three bonuses for free, mm-hmm. which is the workbook and then you also get the fly forward the the practice so Mm -hmm. the five days of the visualizations the meditations and then you also get a virtual ticket to our our launch party which is going to be on january 31st when the Mm -hmm. book drops Mm -hmm. um and then the shop is that sucked now what.com forward slash shop for the conversation cards well nita i always ask every guest this um at the end of the podcast is there anything left inside of you that you need to say out loud yeah, I think as we're entering, you know, this this next, I like to say, season of ourselves, this next iteration of ourselves, be brave to suck at something new. And don't be afraid, actually, to suck at something new. Um, I'm going to hold you to that. So I really hope to see you um, perform your five-minute comedy set in 2023. <laughs> Listen, once I say it now, like, she has to do it because I'm that a pain in the ass friend that's like did you do it did you do it did you do it i'm losing respect for you did you do it i'll i'll, I'll just do a little bit of the indian shame you'll be fine with it i'll just shame you a yeah little that's bit. it i'm gonna shame such you an indian shame i will not do that i want you to actually follow through with that because i think the joy the everything that you have mm-hmm. gone through and all the work that you've done and you have so much joy to offer others i love how this just turned into her being a comedian but hey why not we said it first here on the say it out loud podcast yeah i i because you have so much you have so much to, joy to share with the world and for everyone when you get this book, go through it, have, be patient with yourself as you're going through it and actually allow yourself to feel your feelings, period. Yeah, feel the feels and all of it. And they can all coexist at the same time. This was amazing, love. Thank you so much. Thank I you for being here on Say It Out Loud podcast. I love you. I love you too. Okay, we're done. Bye. <laughs> if you love today's episode, then say it out loud. Subscribe, leave a review, and come say hi over on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. Until next time, say it out loud.